Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz drummer and composer based in Los Angeles, Jake Reed. We caught up with him on June 2nd, 2020 to talk about his latest 2020 CD, Read Between the Lines. And that album features a wish list of collaborators from the L.A. studio scene, jazz grades, and bandmates in his acclaimed trio, Cade Band. Like many of his fellow Los Angelinos, Jake has played many different roles since arriving in Los Angeles a dozen years ago. In his case, however, those roles have been performed not only on the screen, but in the clubs, stages, and recording studios where he's been an in-demand drummer almost since his arrival in the city. He's got a great story. How you holding up? Uh, oh, everything's cool. Yeah, we're, uh, we're doing just fine. Good deal. So where do you uh, live exactly? Um, well, I live in South Pasadena, California. Okay. With, uh, you know, my wife, Kate Dunton. Yeah, she just, I just got the CD in the mail yesterday thanking me for, you know, having her on the show. And, and literally yesterday, well, today, I opened wow. it up today. Good yeah, timing. like <laughs> the timing was insane. And then, of course, I open it up and I'm looking at the track listing and I see 1985 World Champions and I just was like, oh my God. So that was nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, we're all like living at Revelry Town here because there's nothing going on. So they replayed the 2015 series and all of that. And it just seems oh like a hundred years. Yeah. I mean, cause I took my, my son down there and it was such a big deal. And, and I mean, I was, I remember being at the skate rink in 85. I was like 13 and, when that all wow. happened. So, and I, wow. I, I remember the big story then was Saberhagen was having his first kid and then he was going to win the World Series. Just the whole thing. <laughs> so I remember that time well. So. Well, <laughs> it was cool. I was, I was only nine months old at first, so, so I don't <laughs> yeah. remember it at all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But I had all the, I had all the like Royals. Uh, my parents had me in like Royals onesies and all sorts of stuff. So. <laughs> well, and, and that was the beauty of that. When you win a world championship, you kind of bring upon a new generation. And I remember that was a huge deal for my son. Like, we would go out and play baseball all the time. And he wrote essays in school about how much he enjoyed that time and how he got to play baseball. And, you know, yeah. it, 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 it was just, you know, it, re, it, it, it kind of rechristened a new generation of kids that kind of let go of baseball because for 30 years after that, we tank so bad all the time, you know. I know. Um, <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it was bad. But for a while but, uh, there, leading up to 85, we had Brad and we had all those guys, and we had a, we had a powerhouse for years, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but. <laughs> That's <it's>, great. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. But, yeah, anyway, it's quite a time on the planet now. Um, so I know, yeah. <laughs> things are pretty crazy indeed. It's unraveling. I think everything for a long time was okay because the wheels were on the car and the steering yeah. wheel was intact <laughs> and the turn signals worked. And, and we're like, all right, we could just kind of in, in, ignore the infernos going on to our right and left. And then when right. everything just capsized and the heat got hot, it's like all of this right now is long overdue probably as far as like kind of the injustice that's gone on but also no one has anything to look forward to i mean for instance in kansas city you can't even say look let's just stop tonight because justin bieber's coming to town or let's just stop tonight because the royals are going to play a big game or let's stop right. tonight because, you know there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing. so nothing. all the people 
is like not only can you not stop for that, people don't even have the jobs or the money to say, well, I could go if we could, and we still are shrouded in ambiguity about when all of this is going to pick back up. So, yeah, sure, let's play nice. It's like, no, yeah. it ain't going to happen. So, yeah, it's, it's wild. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, that's, well, that's kind of what that's what's kind of crazy here is a similar thing where, you know, there's just so much unemployment happening that it's like that there is nothing else to do. People, you know, people aren't working. They're not at a job during the day. So they're just going out and, you know, protesting, which is what we should be doing, <laughs> you know. Right, right. So, um, yeah, th but there's, my point is there's just no, there's nothing else that's happening right now to deter us from just facing everything head on. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, you know, I I'm trying to think right now what like what level of end game there is because, you know, right. I don't know, man. I mean, is, is, is like, uh, is legislation going to be suddenly passed where it's like, oh, okay, well, this is great. And will the administration allow any of that to happen? And I just think it's going right. to be, there's just, there's nothing that says, okay, there's going to be a rational, logical thing that's going to get this to a point where we can kind of stop doing what it's doing. Because also I was thinking, too, the more this has gone on in some weird, like real yet placebo way, people are finally getting together after all this time. And maybe that's what they want to do because they've missed it for so long. So in some weird jaded way, these protests are a way of people saying, okay, we can ignore this glowering thing that's been in our face this whole time. Yeah. Got us here, you know? So why Big not? Time. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> man alive. It's just, it, it, it's bizarre. And, and I figure the best thing to do right now, I thought initially, you know, it was like talking about, you know, jazz music during the pandemic. Now we have another layer of this. So it's probably a good diversion for everything that's going on. So thanks for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm happy to. So talk about the new album. You know, it's interesting because, you know, we're at a point right now in history where, you know, people have the latitude to listen to music a little bit more, but you can't back any of this up live. Talk to me about kind of that ambivalent gray zone. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. I mean, we haven't haven't played a live gig in uh, a couple of months now. But I guess the beauty of living in Los Angeles is, it's a studio town, you know, so it's all about recording here um, and all about sort of using the studio as another instrument, you know, as, as like the Beatles used to talk about. So um, I, I think the thing about this album is I recorded the whole thing at my house because I have a home studio where I do a lot of tracking for people. So it's kind of an interesting situation given the current state of things because, you know, I can basically just show like, hey, this is like, this is how it sounds at my house. You know, this is, this is just me doing a recording project. And some of it, you know, I was, I was actually kind of thinking about like, man, if I ever have to play this stuff live, like if I want to do a live gig besides the trio stuff that's on the album, I'm going to have to have like, you know, 20 musicians on stage just to pull this off because there's just <laughs> so much going on, you know. So... In a way, it's sort of like it's sort of just like a standalone thing. Some some of the like some of the tracks on the first side of the of the album, I say like a like it's a vinyl album or something. But <laughs> you know, like the first five tracks, the first five tracks are so produced in a way um, 
that it, you know it would be hard to play it all live. Um, so yeah, does that kind of answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it does. It totally does. Um, talk to me a little about you know we kind of touched on this a little bit tongue in cheek, but talk to me about your Kansas City roots and kind of you know how everything began for you jazz wise. Oh, that's a yeah, that's a good question. So yeah, I grew up in uh, Parkville, so it's sort of north of the river. Um, so we we used we lived really close to you know it was like 15 minutes to downtown. Um, interestingly enough, though, the person that originally got me into jazz, I mean, besides hearing you know like some stuff early on, um, but the person who really hooked me into jazz was my grandmother, who lived in Cincinnati. So she gave me this uh, this Buddy Rich versus Gene Krupa album when I was like. 12 years old, and that's kind of really what, what got me hooked on jazz. Um, but at the same time, you know, growing up in Kansas City, my grandfather, he would take me down, or my grandparents, I should say, but it was mostly my grandpa's idea, would take me down to, uh, like, the Majestic, you know, and, and kind of get me in there, even though I was, like, underage. Uh, somehow they convinced him to let us in. But, you know, I'd go down there and hear Brom Winans and Tommy Ruskin play a lot. Or man, I remember those the, days. Yeah, or we'd, oh, we'd, go to the Phoenix, we'd go to the Phoenix, um, you know, and hear, hear those guys play. Um, and, you know, growing, like, after, how old was I? Maybe in, like, eighth grade, um, we moved maybe a couple miles away, and it turned out that our neighbor was Angela Hagenbach. So wow. that was also kind of cool. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it was kind of like it was always there. Just the, the jazz thing was always happening. And then, of course, high school jazz band, uh, you know, we played tons of Count Basie arrangements and things like that. So it was always, it was always just sort of around. Um, you know, and I did, I did other things, too. I, I played in rock bands, and I was, like, in the marching band in high school, that kind of thing. Um, so... Not only was there like a huge jazz influence, but there's just all these other influences happening all the time, you know, playing in concert bands and, um, you know, marching band, drumline, that kind of thing. That's pretty much right the, the backstory, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. You know, um, my first gig really doing anything radio-wise was at KGSP at Park College, and I remember... The oh, dude wow. I was doing the show, yeah, the dude, it was pirate radio, and the dude that I was doing the show with, we had an alternative show, and I used to be like, you know, how many people are listening to this? And he's like, at least three people, me, you, and somebody confused as to what the hell we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I, I always remember that, because at yeah. that point, I was a smoker, so we used to go to the... We used to go to the roof to smoke, and we'd forget, and we'd come down, and boom, boom, it'd be like some morphine song or some smashing pumpkin Siamese dream. We'd go, don't, don't, don't. We'd be like, damn. We'd go over yeah. and take it off. So that oh was my a good gosh. time. That, that, That's that hilarious. Yeah, so that was college. And, and we were hoping, too, and he used to say, you know, and if people are really upset about this, we're going to get fan mail, and then we're going to know who's listening. And, of course, no yeah. one ever wrote. But um, Maybe it's not rate, such a bad thing, <laughs> yeah, right. Wait, right. so did you go to Park College then? No, I was actually I grew up in Liberty. University. Yeah, oh, okay. no, yeah. So I was I was in Liberty, and um, I was working at a grocery store, and the guy there uh, that I was working with had a huge legacy on the East Coast of being in radio. He was really good, and he was like 
I got a gig. You want to do it with me? And I kind of at that point was really wow. wanting to get into sports broadcasting. But yeah, it just happened to be up there. But yeah, that part, that area up there, Parkville is, I grew up actually, one of my first memories was seeing Howard Cosell on our old 1970s TV in a town that we lived in Parkville. And, uh, you know, wow. we kind of floated around and I ended up in Liberty and graduated from there. But yeah, I have distinct memories of Parkville, Missouri for sure. So. Wow. Um, yeah, my mom my mom lived in Liberty for a while, so I would go over and visit her over there. So I kind of know that area, too. And I used to play with a guy. He lives in um, St. Louis now, a guy named Ryan Marquez. He's a great piano player. I don't know if you, yeah. you know about him. Totally um, remember the grew, name. He grew up in Liberty. Um, so I'd go over to his place and play there, too. But, uh, wow, it- yeah, it's, it's, it's a it, small it, town. It, totally, <laughs> and it doesn't matter how far away people get in the world, I can bring Liberty, Missouri up, and people are like, oh, yeah, I have something, some kind of... Uh, or some connection. Some connection, or, or, or at least the Liberty Mutual ostrich or something anymore, you know, so there's always yeah. something that's getting in there. But, um, you know, I'm always interested when people do leave Kansas City, like how deep did the influence of Kansas City and the tradition of jazz that we have get into your blood and influence who you are kind of residually? Oh, man. I mean, I think there's no denying that, you know, it has a huge influence. <laughs> whether whether you know it or not, it's just like growing up there and being in, in that scene. I mean, the thing is, I was I left there when I was 18, so it's not like I was just doing a bunch of gigs all the time, like hanging out with, you know, like playing with all those guys, but just simply being there, it's almost like absorbing it through osmosis or something. You know, so there's, yeah, there's definitely, and, and it continues to be there, you know, even just playing gigs all the time. I mean, I had this teacher, I, so after I left Kansas City, I moved to Cincinnati to go to college there, and um, one of my teachers was this guy named John Von Olin. Do you, do you know about him? He's a, yeah. He was a drummer. Um, yeah. But he used to have this whole thing he would talk about. He's like, you know, man, there's like this regional sound. It's like, you know, and you hear people talk about regional sounds, like the, the older cats, like the Midwest thing. Like there's like the Kansas City sound, the Chicago sound, the New York thing. And But he always used to relate, relate it to drumming. And he'd be like, you know, all the Midwest cats, like our beat is wide, you know, like the plains. <laughs> so... He would relate it to, like, you know, he would talk about Papa Joe Jones having that wide beat. Yeah. Uh, you know, so as opposed to, like, the edgier time feel of New York or, like, the West Coast, you know, cool jazz thing. So, I mean, it's, like, that's just one way that somebody put it. But I do think that it's there, and, you know, you can't, you can't deny it ever. <laughs> I mean, it's still there every day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I, the only instrument that I kind of know how to play a little bit is the drums, but I think about what you're saying is, you know, jazz is always compared to a language, and if you listen to somebody with a New York accent versus someone from L.A. or Kansas City or even Louisiana, it's like there's so there's such a level of distinction because based on the speed and slowness, you can kind of get an idea of how people roll, you know, and that's right. going to influence yeah. your sound for sure. Well, um, I think... Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about that, to you know, bring it up to date and just our the current generation is, I mean, when I, well, first of all, when I was really 
studying and like learning like early on there was no youtube or anything like that so you know there you couldn't learn from the internet really but i will say that since you know the youtube things happening and just there's just such a big influence from the internet now i feel like you know it's 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 a little harder it's not like there's as much of a regional sound anywhere you know like everything's sort of morphing together in a way i think yeah, if that makes any sense. It does. It totally um, makes sense. It's, yeah. 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 It's, it's like there's someone just, that, that listens to this quite a bit. I understand exactly what you're saying. The amalgamation. Yeah. Totally. yeah. I mean, I, I come back to Kansas City to visit my family and everything. I go here. I mean, there's so many great musicians in Kansas City, you know. And, you know, there's people playing in odd time signatures and, you know, playing like what you would call cutting edge jazz or whatever, but <laughs> it's like, it yeah. definitely sounds, it doesn't sound like, you know, oh, this is Kansas City jazz or, you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah, it, yeah. The, the, the regional lines have been blurred, I guess you could say. You're right. You're right. Because if you went back to the Jay McShan days and all that, there's definitely a bluesy kind of a, a more ingrained sound that came from that era. But yeah, man, that's the thing. I think that's, heartbreaking about what's happening right now is the Kansas City was going through such a renaissance. I started the show in 2011. I've kind of watched it, charted it, and followed it, and it's just grown and grown and grown, and, and just right. this year, it was like, you know, it, it's amazing. And the thing that's weird about doing interviews now is that I used to always ask musicians and teachers, how healthy is jazz? And I never have to ask that again. The coronavirus pretty much snuffed that out, because when I listen and I ask one musician, the amount of gigs they've lost, it's staggering. Absolutely staggering. Oh, you know? I know. It's, 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 I mean, it's crazy. It's so weird to not play in front of people. <laughs> you know? Man, I bet. It, it's, and who knows when it's going to come back, I guess. You know, hopefully soon. Yeah, but everyone's I, different. So. Yeah, it's true. True. I did go downtown this weekend on Saturday, took my son and a friend downtown, and we just like going down there, just breathing the air and getting out. We went down, and we were in um, an area that's called Power and Light that's by the Sprint Center. Oh, yeah. It's been renovated. Yeah, yeah, you, you probably, because you mm -hmm. come back. And yep. there was a dude that was on stage playing, and I just stopped in my tracks, and I was like, wow. And there was waiters with masks, and all the tables were six feet apart, and he was playing like some Beatles cover. We were over in a little area just eating, and I was just like, I was blown away. I was like, I can't believe I'm, I'm already hearing live music. And that's yeah, the thing. That's, well, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you start putting people against the wall and saying, all right, what are you going to do now? And it's like, okay, we're going to do a live stream. Another duo here in town is going to do a drive-in, and they're going to have cars with speakers on them, and you're going to be able to see them and roll the windows down. So, you know, it, it's kind of that principle of if you get rid of a cockroach, they're going to grow and get stronger and come back. I mean, you know, right. <laughs> it, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Well, I can't uh, wait for it to come back whenever, whenever it does, and in whatever form it comes back in. <laughs> totally, totally. And I still remember the last show I saw – um, I got married last July, and my wife and I have been together for three years, and she never really went to jazz much, and I go to a lot of shows. And I went to mm -hmm. the Nelson and saw Bill Frizzell with his trio, and Petra Hayden started singing towards the end, We Shall Overcome, and the crowd just kind of started all lifting up at odd times, and we all swayed and sang it. That was March 3rd, and it was like 
we knew that something was going to happen. Like preternaturally, our brains were like, all right, something's in the air. Wow. It was, it was, it was weird and eerie, but it was quite a show to see before the lights went down. It was, it was, it was. And then of course, since it's, it's kind of an odd show, my wife was asking me, you know, what's this show going to be like? I'm like, I don't even know what to tell you. Right after that song, they started playing Ziggy Stardust. So it was like, that's how eclectic <laughs> the show was. <laughs> yeah. How do you, well, how do you, you go from a Southern revival cool. to Bowie? Yeah. So it was, it was, it was something else, you know. That's fantastic. Uh, but at any rate, yeah. Um, so when did you start seeing the dominoes fall? When did you start kind of sniffing out that we were getting ready to enter this, this new, new life we have? Oh my gosh. Well, it's interesting because, you know, with Kate's trio, uh, trio Kate, we were about to start a tour and kind of leading up to the tour, you know, things started shutting down or, you know, gigs were getting canceled. I was supposed to, I had a bunch of gigs that got canceled right before this all started, like pretty much like a week before the gig was supposed to happen. They were like, sorry, you know, um, and we were sitting there going like, boy, should we go on this mini tour this weekend? Cause we usually, we do these mini tours where we'll, we'll like, we, you know, we live in LA, so we'll go up and we'll play in like Ventura or Santa Barbara or San Luis Obispo and go all the way up to Oakland. Um, you know, play some gigs up there. And we were sort of like, after all these local gigs got canceled, it was like, wait a second, should we be doing this? <laughs> and, yeah. and it was sort of like, we sort of were like, you know, so we started calling the clubs and we're like, hey, are you guys still on for this weekend? Like, should we still come up and play? And they were like, yeah, come on, let's do it. So, you know, as the tour went on, I think we had, I don't know, three or four gigs or something like that. But, as the tour went on every day, it was like, should we do the gig tonight? Because <laughs> things are just progressively getting crazier. Um, so eventually we made it up to to Oakland and, you know, we called, the, and this was on like, I want to say like the 15th of March. So that was like pretty much the, like the day after that, they were going to shut everything down. Like, so we played in, when was it? Uh, how long was the gig? We, we played, oh, we played in, um, San Jose at this place called uh, Art BTG. It's a great club. And we got there, and the, the owner was like, well, this is going to be our last gig for a while. This is our last show for a while. We're shutting down after tonight. And we were like, oh, my gosh. you know." So we did the gig. It was amazing. It felt kind of eerie, like you were talking about, to like be doing this gig. And uh, it was great, though. It was amazing. Everyone loved it. We had a, we had a great time. Then, so we're like, man, should we do the gig in Oakland tomorrow night? So we drive to Oakland. They're like, yeah, come on, let's do the gig. And, like, we're about to play. And, you know, the owner gets up and is like, well, everyone to the audience, this is our uh, last show for a while. <laughs> so it was like wow. two nights in a row we played the last shows at these, these venues, you know, for still. They haven't started back up yet. But wow. I don't want to say last forever, but hopefully – not the last show forever at those clubs. Hopefully they come back. But yeah, it was definitely weird. And then after that, that was our last live gig was that last, those last few gigs of that little tour. Wow. Sorry, that well, was a long, long, uh, no. long story explanation, but that, that's, yeah, that's what it was kind of like. So it was sort of this gradual <laughs> thing that it, it kind of became clearer and clearer like, Oh, 
there's something that's about to change big time here. Yeah. Well, and it, it I mean, it, in, a, in a weird way, it's almost like the, the, the second plane going into the tower. It's like we have that moment where we're like, where were we at? Because we always know it's, it's going to be mid March, this will be an era that, uh, in America that we will never get back to again, a world that we won't ever get back to again. So it's, yeah, it, need, it needs explanation. It's a story. It's a part of what I'm trying to kind of talk about, too. And, and my question now is, is that when we do get back, and we will, it's obviously ambiguous as to when, but when it happens, what do you hope both the musician and the audience realizes from this time away, this absence of live music? I just, I hope that well, maybe all of us will have a deeper uh, understanding of how integral music is to our culture. You know, just the importance of going out and being together and listening and feeling music together as a group. You know, that's, that's the basic thing to me. It's like we should have a, well, hopefully people will have a deeper uh, understanding of that and a deeper respect for how music can bring people together. Yeah. If that makes yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to simply put it more simply than that. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, that's 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 great. So my next question is this everyone has a perception or a version of you, your family, your friends and your fans, but you're the one living your life. Who do you think you are? Who do I <laughs> who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are? Um, <laughs> who do I do you know who I think I am? <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a good question. And, you know, it actually, that's part of the reason I named the album Read Between the Lines, because not only is there a pun, a pun on my last name, but, um, you know, let me just back out for a quick second and just say that it's funny living in a place like Los Angeles because there's so many different styles of music happening all the time that it's easy to get sort of um, pigeonholed as like one type of musician or one type of drummer. You know, like, oh, that guy, he's a rock drummer. Or, oh, he's like a funk drummer. Or, oh, he's a, he's a jazz guy. Or, like, he's a small group jazz guy. Or he's a big band guy. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to think about that and then think, well, isn't it possible to be all those in some way or another? Like, I love all those styles of music. So, to me, that's that's who I that's who I think I am. <laughs> cool, the, I like it's, it. It's, it's, it's weird to say it that way, but that to me, I enjoy playing a lot of different styles of music. And you know, as a kid growing up in Kansas City in the late '80s and '90s, um, you know, I was influenced by everything from Count Basie to Led Zeppelin to you know Tower of Power. To, to classical music. I mean, I, I studied a lot of classical music. I had a great teacher there, Dennis Rogers, um, who, you know, we worked on a lot of mallets and classical snare drum and just orchestral percussion. So I think that's the, that's the cool thing about growing up in a place like Kansas City is just sort of the, um, the influence of everything, the influence of all styles of music. So that's who I think I am. <laughs> I like it. That's a great answer, man. Hey, thanks for taking some time out today, man. I really appreciate you talking about your music, Casey, and, and everything else in this very strange time on the planet. 
Oh, I'm happy to. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Los Angeles, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Jake for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.